Welcome to The How of Business with Henry Lopez and David Begin, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez. My guest today is David Wood. David, welcome to the show. Thank you, Henry. Happy to be here. Absolutely. We've had some challenges getting this scheduled, so I appreciate your patience and perseverance, and, and here we are. I'm looking forward to this conversation. We're going to chat a little bit about David's entrepreneurial journey, and then we're going to get into his specialty, which is having tough conversations, and we're going to apply that to small business owners like myself and how that can help us get better at what we do, or if you're aspiring to become a small business owner. If you want to receive more information about the how of business, including the links to the show notes for this episode, the show notes page, that is, just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996, and I'll reply with the link. So David Wood is a business owner, a coach, an author, and the founder of Play For Real and Tough Conversations International. David is a formal former consulting actuary. I don't know what that is. I'm going to ask you that in a moment. Consultant actuary to Fortune 100 companies. And he left his cushy Park Avenue job 20 years ago to build the world's largest coaching business. He became number one on Google for life coaching, serving an audience of 150,000 coaches and coaching thousands of hours across 12 countries. Alongside his client's success, David is no stranger to overcoming challenges of his own. Uh, having overcome a full collapse of his paraglider. Why you were on a paraglider is the first question. <laughs> and he fractured his spine. He sadly witnessed the death of his sister at age seven, uh, has suffered with severe anxiety and depression, and he was on a national gong show. We have to find out about that as well. So obviously he's, he's lived some life and had some challenges. David believes that the tough conversations that we typically avoid are our doorways to confidence, success, and love. They become the defining moments which shape our world. He coaches high-performing entrepreneurs, executives, and teams, and small business owners like us, and now even prison inmates, interestingly, to create amazing results and deep connection, one tough conversation at a time. Dave lives in, uh, David lives in Boulder, Colorado. He was just showing me that it's snowing there as we record this in mid-April. And so once again, David Wood, welcome to the show. Thanks, Henry. I appreciate it. My pleasure. So, so what is a consultant uh, actuary, a consulting actuary? What is that? An actuary deals with risk management. So we would look 50 to 100 years in the future and run stochastic, stochastic models using probabilities, statistics. And um, they're the ones that will calculate the insurance premium. Right. I, I know familiar with it in that context, but I wasn't, I was confused with the consulting part of it. You did that consulting yeah. for life insurance and the like? We, we did consulting to fortune 100 companies. So some companies might need an actuary, but they don't want to hire their own team. I see. So they'll just use a consulting firm and we would hire ourselves out and calculate uh, their pension fund premiums, for example, mm. and make sure their pension funds were going to be solvent and help them manage their risk worldwide. Got it. Thanks. Thanks for explaining that. And so what is this gong show that you were on? Well, you know, I, I once I became an actuary and I qualified, which was, I sweat blood and tears to get there. It wasn't easy. But once I'd done that, I, I wanted to switch into something else. So I became a professional entertainer for a while. I thought, what would I, if I had six months off to do anything I wanted, 
what would I do? And I love it when I see those guys at the ski fields that are like dressed in a blonde ABBA wig and they sing SOS and get everyone singing along or blame it on the boogie with a black, with an Afro. I'm like, I want to do that. So I went and did that for a year and a half and uh, auditioned for our equivalent of the national gong show and, and got on like two weeks later, they flew me to Melbourne to be on. And I sang 500 miles by the proclaimers uh, in a kilt on national TV. And it was, it was actually the most, it'd be up there with the top two most terrifying things I've ever done in my life. I'm not a great singer. And to go out on national TV, not knowing if I was going to get the right key or mess up the words or the chords was terrifying. Did you get gonged? Was it based on the gong, oh, the yeah. original gong show from the US? Oh, we got gonged, right? <laughs> I, got, I got gonged, but I made it 60 seconds before I got gonged. Okay, that's least. pretty darn good, right? Yeah. I think they gonged me in the first four seconds. And the moderator went, okay, that might've been a bit premature. So they gave me another shot and, and uh, it was quite fun. What did you learn from it, from that whole experience of putting yourself out there? Well, one thing I learned is if I can do that, I can do anything because I really was uh, terrified. So I realized I had the capacity to handle great fear. And I, I believe every time that we do something that's scary, we do push back the edges of our, uh, we expand our comfort zone. Because having done that, I can get up on stage in front of a thousand people and speak. That's not nearly as scary as stand-up comedy, for example. Um, So I tend to push my edges and I would encourage people to be 30% more daring than they currently are. Don't go crazy, right? You don't have to jump off the Himalayas like I did in a, (laughs) a paraglider. Don't go in a paraglider. But you could, you could have those conversations that seem a little scary and um, deep in connection with the people around you. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and it's the fear, but it's also that overcoming that fear of embarrassment specifically in that case, which I think is such a big thing for aspiring business owners. What I find holds them back often is the fear of being embarrassed if they fail. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And hearing a no is, is hard for a lot of people, including myself. I'm, I'm interviewing uh, this guy, Steve Sims, next week. And oh, yes. I think the, the, he creates these amazing uh, experiences for, for wealthy people. And I think one of the reasons his company exists is because people don't want to hear no. Mm. So they'd rather pay him to risk a no, and he'll set it up. It's so clever. It's like, imagine if you could pay someone to ask women or men out for you um it just take away the whole rejection thing right. or just practice practice with the small things and build up so you build your resilience and you just keep asking for for what you want yeah steve's a fascinating guy i had him on the show about a year ago so you'll, you'll enjoy oh, your conversation fun. with him yeah no doubt all right so so what leads then in your career to this focus on tough conversations and and making a, a consultancy or a firm out of it, a business out of it. Tell, tell me a little bit about that story. How did you end up where you are now? Yeah, well, I'd like to say I had this bolt of lightning <laughs> it hit me, you know, I had this clarity and I'm like, oh, this is what's going to happen. But really, I just wasn't that happy in the US in my consulting job. So I quit for six months to play guitar and, and sing. And then during that time, I... Um, I had done a, a self-help seminar. I finally went and did one. And even you, though they you wore, attended one. 
Yeah, I intended one in the States back in 1996. And they all wore name tags and they smiled way too much. So I did not <laughs> trust them. And I didn't realize this, but I had a lot of cynicism. I just didn't believe that anyone would devote their life to making the world better. I figured they were just out for money. But I did the course and fortunately they cracked my cynicism, opened, and I got to coach somebody during that course and changed her life, mm. changed her marriage overnight. And I was like, this is amazing. So when they offered to train me in, in, in coaching, I jumped at it and I gave free coaching for them and they gave me free training. So I'm like, all right, this is a great deal. After I did the, the entertainer thing, I met someone who was doing a course on coaching. I'm like, wait, this is a profession? Hmm. And this is now in, in 98. And so I hired him to be my first coach. And then someone auditioned to be a singer in my duo. And she was having some trouble with some life issues. I said, why don't you be a practice client? So that's how I got started in coaching back in 1998. Wow. And the tough conversations kept on popping up. I think it's because when I did the self-help seminar and I ended up doing a number of those seminars, they kept on pushing me to talk about the hard things. Hmm. They kept on having me make lists of people I didn't like and people I resented and people I felt guilty about or people that I just did not want to see at a party. And I'd make these lists and they'd say, all right, now call them. I said, no. Oh, yeah. I'm not doing that. Like, like someone high on my list was a bully from high school that I, that I hated. And, you know, I think you could understand that. I'm like, I'm not calling that guy. There's no way, but they coached me through it. And one thing that gave me access to that conversation, I've never forgotten it. I said, I'm not going to call. And my coach said, why? And I said, cause he's going to think I'm a total idiot mm. for calling him after all this time and saying, I resent you. And now I'm letting it go. And she said these magic words, then lead with that. With being honest right up front about your What I'm worried about. What you're worried yeah. about. Yeah. Why I don't want to call him. She's like, lead with that. And now most of my coaching is centered around name that thing. Name the elephant in the room. Name the mouse in the room so that the other person knows who they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. and, and I did so many of these. I called him. I called the girl from high school who broke up with me twice and gave me the cold shoulder. And I tell you what, Henry, these conversations have been nothing short of miraculous. <laughs> A lot of them, like that bully said to me, well, what can I do or say now to help you or us move forward? I'm like, what? I thought this guy was a jerk. Right Now right. he's not. Now we're buddies. And then, and then that, that girl, I called her and she said, I, I, I didn't need an apology from her. That's very important. Hmm. It, it's best if you can get to a point where you don't need an apology and you're just right. sharing your side and you're letting it go. Right. But she said, I was such an idiot. I'm so sorry. I'm just so sorry. And, you know, I found myself in tears in some of these conversations. So whatever you're thinking, business owners out there, if you're thinking, I can't have a conversation to cut my employees hours back to half mm -hmm. hours. I can't ask that celebrity for an endorsement. I can't tell my partner that I broke an agreement three years ago and I haven't come clean. Whatever you're thinking, I'm here to say there is a way to say it. I can't take away all the risk for you. 
there is, it is a gamble, but I can make it, help you make it so it's a good bet for mm -hmm. you. And the upside is generally higher than the downside. And I'll take bets like that all day. Absolutely. In your analysis and thinking about this, why do you think as humans, we develop this, you know, hesitancy, resistance, dread of tough conversations? Where does that come from, do you suppose? That's a good question. So one of the reasons is we, we seem to be afraid of discomfort. We've, I imagine 200 years ago, if we had a sore foot, we probably wouldn't complain a lot about it. And if the chair we're sitting in isn't very comfortable, we, that's just probably how it is. But now, if my chair on the plane doesn't recline far enough, or my internet while I'm flying through the sky is too slow, then I'm bitching about it. Right. If my cup of tea isn't hot all the time, and I've got uh, a coffee warmer to, to make sure that doesn't happen, it's a problem and I've got to get up and handle it. There are very few people who actually will take cold showers because we just don't want to feel uncomfortable. uncomfortable. But we do also know as humans, because we have willpower and, and, and a frontal cortex, we know that sometimes the discomfort, if we're willing to go into that, we can have good things. If we're willing to exercise and have this discomfort, then we can, um, we can have a better body. We can have better health. If we're willing to sit in discomfort in meditation, we can have inner peace. Um, there, there are some eye drops that come from a jungle plant and it's called, um, oh, I can't believe the name's escaping me, but, but basically you put this stuff in your eyes, you have instant agony. Oof. And by agony, one guy told me he screamed the first time he did it. Now, this is an extreme example, but the thing is these drops can uh, correct your vision. Oh, okay. So we can kind of parent ourselves and say, hey, if you can just relax and be open. And by the way, the more I relaxed when I put them in, I just kind of allowed it to slam my eyeballs and have it wash through my body. And it, it didn't seem like a, a big thing anymore. And after five or six seconds, it was totally manageable. So all of these things point to, yes, we want to avoid discomfort, but if you're willing to lean into it and be uncomfortable and be vulnerable in that conversation, you can get so many treasures. You can have deeper connection with the other person. You might get the external result you're looking for, that celebrity to endorse you or that person to stop smoking around you or to just, just feel more connected. Um, and also here's the other benefit. Every time I lean into a tough conversation and I speak my truth, I feel better about myself. Sure. There's an integrity in that I spoke up, even if the other person doesn't give me what I, I want, even if they decide not to speak to me for two weeks, I do feel better that I spoke my truth and gave it a chance to be better. You know, it, it empowers you. It, it takes that off of you to some extent. But, but I, I got to add furthermore that I think that part of it has to be also, David, that I think most, and some of this is cultural, so I want to talk about that in a moment. 
We tend to avoid confrontations and conflict with other people, though. Most of us do. If we look at it in the States, for example, I, I happen to live in the South now, but, but I travel up to the Northeast, and, and I'm generalizing, of course. But the way that people talk about an issue or have a confrontation generally in the South is very different. They, they beat around it more. They kind of talk around it versus maybe stereotypically a New Yorker gets right to the point. But, but I got to think that part of it is also that we inherently, a lot of us don't like conflict. We don't want to get into an argument because that's, to your point, uncomfortable. So that plays a role as well, does it not? Yeah. Culturally, different cultures have different rules. In some cultures, you just really don't address something. But I think in, in every culture I've experienced, there's still too much keeping quiet. Mm-hmm. Now, there's two, there are two forms of keeping quiet. There's keeping quiet to others that, all right, I'm feeling uncomfortable with this, but I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to rock the boat or make right. waves or make it worse. And then there's keeping quiet to yourself. You don't even realize what's happening. You don't even realize like someone doesn't show up for a call with you and you just, you just notice you don't want to rebook it. Right. It wasn't, that happened to me. And, and I didn't like how they, the person just assumed they'd rebook it for the next week and be no issue. I'm like, mm-hmm. wait a minute. Right. And it took me half an hour to, to, to narrow down and realize I don't feel like my time is being respected. And they might be respecting my time, but this is my feeling. And I had to get clear on it for myself. And the last year and a half, I've been studying something called authentic relating. And it's amazing. They keep on encouraging us to realize what's happening in ourselves. Do I feel contracted? Do I feel a little upset? Do I feel excited hearing that? What am I actually feeling? And then can I share that with the other person? Now I have a choice. I can actually reveal it. Wow, you know, hearing you say that, I just felt a lot of empathy and I felt a desire to kind of help you and fix it. And I know you haven't even asked for advice, but I noticed that came up in me. And, and then the other person, if they're practicing this too, they can say, oh, well, hearing that, I notice a bit of defensiveness because I don't want advice right now. Right. But also I'm kind of appreciating that you want to help. So thank you for that. And then you ping pong back and forth with what's really happening. It's, it's, I call it advanced because it's just mm-hmm. not very common. Normally right. my mind is doing 10 different things and then I jump to the 11th and you'll hear that. Right. And then I get your 11th thing and we kind of bounce off each other in a way. So I, I forget the original question, but no, I, no, I'm I mean, excited it, about it, that. It's all good. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to get your thoughts as you've been sharing as to where this comes from in us, because it seems innate almost. It seems like most of us, we get to adulthood and we were either taught because of manners or whatever that we don't get into these tough conversations because it might... It might escalate. It might turn into an argument. It might offend somebody. And yeah. so all of those things seem to be indoctrinated in us to avoid these tough conversations. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I've got a much better answer now. So would you ask me again, why do we avoid tough conversations? Why do you think we avoid tough conversations? Because without a, a blueprint to follow, there's a good chance we'll screw it up. Mm. And so we're really afraid of that. Yeah. And it's going like, to make it worse. Like I'm going to call the bully and it's going to, I'm going to relive the whole thing. I'm going to feel even worse. Yeah. Right. I might, I might still have some charge. I might be blaming him 
and then, and I might want an apology and he might go, well, screw you. Right. So there are two things. So I'd rather just bury that and not even touch it then. Right. If that's how I go into it. Exactly. So I've developed a blueprint that changes all that. And the blueprints, four simple steps. The first step is clarify the issue for yourself. And there's a worksheet just for that. And that's a game changer. Because when you start answering the questions on the worksheet, like, what am I afraid of could happen? Like, how could this go wrong? That's gold to know that. Oh, I'm afraid you're going to call me oversensitive. I notice I'm afraid that you're going to think I'm an idiot. I'm afraid that you might get defensive and feel attacked and not hear me out. That's gold to learn that. Then it'll ask you, what's your hope? Oh, wait a minute. I know what I don't like. I know what I don't want, but you're asking me now, like, how could it go? Well, I hadn't even thought about that. So now you generate a possibility. I want to talk to you about this because I want us to feel more connected or I want to be able to sleep better at night or whatever my hope is. And it'll even ask you, what's your request? Now that's a leadership move. The ego will tell you everything that's wrong about it, but can the ego tell you what you could ask for that would make things better? So this first step is going to change things. You may not choose to have the conversation. That's up to you. Right. But there's a box to check on the worksheet that says, I'm willing to accept these possible consequences. And if you're willing, then you can move on and follow the other three steps. And that's the second game changer. Now you've got clarity, but now you've also got three simple steps that can increase the chances of the conversation going really well. And if you miss some of these, you can step on a landmine. You still might step on a landmine following the four steps, but your chances are way lower. So my, my goal, Henry, is that the world be armed with this simple four step process and they feel much more confidence in going out and addressing the issues that they might have swept under the carpet. This is Henry Lopez, and let's pause for a moment on this episode to introduce you to our new sponsor, LinkedIn Jobs. I suspect you're familiar with LinkedIn, but perhaps you've not yet used LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that a position gets filled every eight seconds using LinkedIn Jobs? Hiring the right people is one of the best ways to help grow your business, but it shouldn't become your full-time job. And in our current labor market, it's become even harder to find the right candidates. With LinkedIn Jobs, it doesn't have to be so hard. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for, so you can hire the right person fast. Things like collaboration, creativity, adaptability, LinkedIn looks beyond the work skills and puts your job post in front of qualified candidates who match your business requirements perfectly. That's how LinkedIn makes sure your job post is seen by the people you want to hire, people with the skills, qualifications, and other interests that will help you grow your business. And why companies rated LinkedIn Jobs the number one hiring platform for delivering quality hires. A couple of features I personally find extremely useful when using LinkedIn Jobs are the job description templates because it saves me a lot of time and the skills keyword because that's how I can really try to find the right match for the position I'm trying to fill. Find the right person for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want for the posting 
and you can get the first $50 off. Just visit linkedin.com forward slash how, H-O-W. Again, that's linkedin.com forward slash how to get $50 off your first job post. Or you can just text biz, B-I-Z, to 31996, and I will send you the link. Terms and conditions apply. I have it in front of me here, the Tough Conversations four-step blueprint. What I love about those first two steps, again, it, it might just be that it's an exercise for myself and I don't, I decide not to proceed or I'm not ready to actually have the conversation. But like the example you provide in the blueprint here on that first step on asking permission, the example you give is, do you have a few minutes for a potentially awkward yet interesting conversation? My hope is to clear the air. Um, and then you follow with this within step two, I'm worried you might think I'm an idiot or too sensitive. You know, what I have found is that when you open that way, it, it kind of releases a lot of the tension that otherwise is part of this potential conversation. And I also find similar to how you found that the other person kind of actually, you know, I was feeling the same way. I'm glad you said that. And you kind of, you get that off the table. And, and I think it puts you everybody in a, in a different mindset to now have the conversation. Yes. So we've updated the model and it's new and improved and I'm very excited about it. The, the acronym now that everyone can remember is CARE, C-A-R-E. And the first step uh, we've already gone through, which is clarify the issue, fill mm -hmm. in the worksheet. And that, it might stop there. You might not have the conversation, but at least you've got clarity. If you do continue, the next step is to ask permission. And you, you just gave a, a great example from, from the older sheet, which is you up for a potentially awkward yet interesting conversation. That's a great way to open it. Sure. But there's a new ninja formula, which we've really worked on, which, which does like 10 things in a very simple sentence. And here's the formula to ask the permission. And you'll use the information from your worksheet. Mm -hmm. Hey, Bill, there's something I haven't been saying. And I haven't been saying it because and you insert your fear. You think I'm oversensitive or I might make things worse. Yeah, or this conversation might blow up when we have this conversation and, and I don't want that. I don't want to get into yeah. an argument. I don't want to get into a fight about this. Yeah, whatever your fear is. Okay. But I've decided I do want to bring it up because, and you insert your hope, because I want to feel like we're really on the same page and we're working well together or because I want us to both feel supported or I just want to feel closer to my wife. So... Yeah. I want, to, I, want to, I, decided, I want to feel positive in this business partnership, or I want to feel excited about this project or whatever the case might be. Yeah. yeah. So um, you're sharing a positive intent and that's critical because if you come to me and say, David, we need to talk. Yeah. I think I'm in trouble. Yeah. You're going to put up your defenses, right? Yeah. But when you share a positive intent, Oh, I can get behind that. I want you to sleep better. I want uh, you to feel positive in the company. I want us to be on the same page. And then you finish with, do you have a few minutes now? Okay. So I'll repeat, I'll repeat that formula. Yes. There's something I haven't been saying because insert fear, but I've decided I do want to bring it up because insert hope. Do you have a few minutes now? Boom. That's the step two. ask permission. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I was thinking I had made a note coming into this conversation about another example that came to mind because I had prepared for this interview a while ago. Like I said, you, you were gracious enough to reschedule two different times. But one of the big conversations that's going on, for example, right now for small business owners is having to call up their landlords and say, hey, I, I can't pay the rent. 
that's a tough conversation. I'm finding that a lot of my clients are afraid of having that conversation. And the way that I would begin to apply this, if I'm, if I'm understanding it correctly, David, is, is, is I, would, I would open that conversation with, you know, I would hope we'd have a few minutes to talk about our situation here. I'm feeling very awkward and stressed about this. I, I want to, you know, uphold my financial commitment, but I'm struggling financially. Can we talk about this for a few minutes? Might well, I open it that way or what would you adjust? The- well, I'd say let's use the formula okay. for that. So, yeah. so um, if you want to give that another shot sure. and this time use the, there's something I haven't been saying because. Yeah, there, I hadn't reached out to you so far because I'm afraid of how this conversation is going to go. I'm afraid that I'm not going to get any relief on this financial strain. And so that's why I hadn't called you yet. Yeah, I'm worried you might say no. I'm worried, I'm worried you're going to say might no. Be awkward. And I'm worried that this might be the reason I have to go out of business. Yeah. Well, that would be later when we actually okay. share the issue. But, I, I, but I, was, I was afraid of having this conversation with you because I, I just wasn't sure how you were going to respond or you were just going to say no, and then I don't know what to do. And I imagine for you, Henry, uh, for the person, um, if it was me, I might be worried. It, like, it's just hard for me to ask for help. Yes. I don't, I don't like to do that. Right. You know, I, I have an obligation as a tenant. So it's hard for me to ask and then to continue the formula. But I have decided to bring it up because, you know, this conversation could make a really big difference to me financially right now. This could, could actually help my business stay afloat. So I do want to bring it up. Do you have a few minutes now to talk about the rent? Love that. Yeah. Love that. So what, what we're doing here to dive in a little deeper is we're being vulnerable. We're actually yes. explaining, like, I'm a bit on my edge here. This is why this is a, a tough conversation for me. But also, here's, here's the positive intent. Here's the good thing. This could help my business stay afloat. So do you have a few minutes now? That's the other key. We're asking permission. Now might not be a good time. So we're not going to just launch into it. We're actually asking for consent to have the conversation. And that is a critical step. Once the person has said yes, it, I don't know the psychology of it, but it must do something in the brain to put someone in an open, more receptive state versus not asking them and just expecting that they're going to have this conversation now. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense because, because it's, it's like that, that sales approach of you get people to say enough yeses and they'll say yep. yes to what you want them to say yes to. But similarly, you put that person because they're feeling awkward and vulnerable too. They, they probably suspected why you're calling and they were expecting this to be a big blowout conversation and threatening each other with legal actions and all of that. And nobody wants that, right? The landlord is also in a tough situation. So I think the vulnerability part allows that other person to also feel like, okay, this person's coming from the heart. He's genuine in his intent here. I'm also feeling stressed about all of this. I've just gone off the phone with four other tenants who yelled and screamed and threatened legal action. He's asking me if this is a good time to chat. So that's giving me some feeling of control in this so that I can see where that then puts, in this case, in our scenario, the landlord in a more open position to maybe have a conversation, which is all I want here. Yeah. Yeah. And And if if we can negotiate something or agree to something. That's right. And, and if you, it will, we'll give listeners the download at the end of the, so you don't have to write all this down. Listen. Right. Yes, but if you have the worksheet, you can write out all this and then just have it in front of you and you could follow the formula word for word. But if you're doing this off the cuff and all you remember is just ask permission, 
hey, can we talk about the rent for a few minutes? That, that too is good. That'll be the simple version. And then step three, that's where you share the issue. Hey, I, I don't know how to pay the bills this month. Yeah, I don't know I how know I'm going to make rent this month. Yeah, I know it's not your problem. Um, I have an obligation to pay rent. We have a contract. I totally get that. Mm-hmm. So I have no expectation and I'm asking you, can you give me some relief on the rent? And then you guys work it out together. See how, how it's going to be. Yeah, yeah, you might even say, do you have any ideas or suggestions? I'm just looking for a way to keep things uh, above water. And then you might do a negotiation. They might, have a, they might make an offer. They might ask you to make an offer. Who knows? But now you're in and you're working out together. But step four is very important. And Henry, I forget this one. This is where I would just say, all right, good. So we've got an agreement. Thanks. Bye. Yeah, step, right. Step four is inquire. You want to find out how this lands for them. Like, how is it for you that I'm even asking? Is it awkward? Is it embarrassing? Is it annoying? Um, and that now that we're talking about it, I just want to check how this is for you. They might have a better idea than what you came up with. You mm-hmm. might find out that they're worse off financially than you are. And maybe you decide to take out a loan to pay the rent so that right. their kid can get healthcare. Who knows? But inquire is where you find out about their world and then you work it out together. Love that. Love that. Okay. Before we, we start to wrap it up, I'm curious as to how, how you ended up working with prisoners with this and, and why and what you're getting from that. I'm curious. I've wanted for many, many years to do more good in the world. I do some kind of charity work and I, I spend, a, I think, too much of my time on myself trying to get my own business going and, and my own world. And I look at other people who are doing good and I go, wow, I love that. I watch movies where people just devote their life to making the world be better. And I'm like, damn, I love that. So when I heard of someone who was teaching authentic relating in prisons, in Colorado prisons, I said to my friend, can I get in on that? I'd, I'd like to at least experience it and see if I can help out, like give to, to society and also in a field that I love. And lo and behold, he put, gave me an introduction to the director. I gave the director a coaching session. It went really well. He said, come and assist at the next one. And then the one after that, I was co-leading. Wow. So I'm a, I'm a monkey see, monkey do kind of guy. If I see something, I can jump in, just point me in the right direction. And so one of the ways that I'm learning authentic relating is by teaching it. And what, what has surprised you or what surprised you certainly early on in working with these, with these folks, with prisoners? Well, I've, I don't know if it surprised me, but I've been really moved by seeing how moved they are. Like, like looking at around at a, at a group of 20 women and seeing some of them in tears. And then I'm in tears mm-hmm. as, they, as they really address some of the deep feelings that have been coming up for them as they learn how to relate authentically. And there was one guy in particular who was an army vet. He'd been in Afghanistan killing people. That was his job. Mm-hmm. Very scary guy. One of our staff members was in the bathroom shaking after an interaction with him. Because the guy was just so intense with him. You look scared. Why are you scared? 
And the next day, the guy came and chose me for an exercise. And I'm like, all right. Yeah. I, I was suiting up. I'm like, <laughs> I wanted to be tested. Sure. And uh, we did an exercise and it was a role play. And he was yelling at me as a friend. I was playing his friend and he was yelling at me about my drinking and about my um, drinking and driving and uh, how I was going to kill myself. And I started tearing up because I said, oh my God, I'm so sorry. You're worried you're going to lose me. And you've already lost so many friends mm -hmm. and you're worried I'm going to kill myself and you're going to be there. Just one more friend gone. And the guy ran to the bathroom in tears. So no wow. one had seen him crying. Mm -hmm. So I've got goosebumps just yeah. about no, that being imagine. able to being able to reach them on a human level and particularly through all the manipulation. So if you put, this is something I'm just starting to glimpse. You put someone in a, in a position of less power, let's say uh, a woman in our society generally has less power than a man right. uh, or a prison inmate. They, their rights are just gone, stripped. What that person will naturally do is learn covert manipulation. Sure because they can't do what the power figure can do. So they have to find ways to do it. So you know, I, feel, I feel a bit sad about that. And that's just the way it is. But to be able to reach someone through that yeah. and just say, look, you don't have to manipulate me. I'm here to help you for the time that I'm here and have a true connection. And also to be able to laugh about them. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, not laugh about them. Laugh, I laugh, laugh about with. things with them. Right. That was incredible to mm -hmm. me. I, we did an exercise where we asked people to strut and these, these men uh, are strutting around the room as if in the prison yard, really trying to strut. And I, and I, I wasn't even in the exercise, but I ran across and started shadowing a guy and he turned around. And I said, keep going. I got to learn this. I'm going to learn this walk. So now we're both doing this uh, uh, strut and, uh, and this guy's African-American and I said to those guys the next day, that was a highlight for me. I said, when am I going to follow a, a, a black guy around a prison, around a prison yard and get away with it? Right. Without him turning around and, and smacking you in the head. <laughs> and they laughed so hard. And so I just love being able to yeah. uh, use humor. That's, that's one of my things. Just be able to use humor to uh, say some of the things that no one else would say. Yeah. I got to think it's, it must also just in hearing you share it, it impacts me in that if perhaps were it not for the, some of these people having learned how to express feelings, have tough conversations that perhaps their lives might've taken a different path. Oh yeah. Henry, I just watched a video. It's, uh, it's called step into the circle, I think. And they, show a whole prison yard and there had to be maybe a couple of hundred prisoners. And she would say, if you were abused in any way as a child, step into the circle. Mm. And she keeps on asking these questions and people just keep stepping in. And you start to see that abuse is a real common theme. And I suspect that the abusiveness is what has led to some of the drug behavior. I'm not an expert in this at all, but from what I, get, what I can glean, that's led to 
I'm going to use drugs because I don't feel good and I don't know how to feel good. So this makes sense to me. And then the drug usage can be tricky. Some people seem to be able to do it and, and have boundaries and some people can't. And so it's this terrible, and then there's crime. So there's this whole cycle and I feel some empathy that they, they, they just did not get the start that a lot of us did. And, and now we put them in prison and that's not always the best environment for their growth as well. So thank God for organizations like Authentic Relating International, which is a nonprofit that I, I, I've been training with yeah. to go into prisons and teach, help them relate authentically so that when they get out, they can talk to a boss, they can talk to a coworker, right. and they don't need to blow up exactly. or go and use drugs. Doesn't escalate to something negative, yeah. And they don't go back into prison because the recidivism wow. rate is scary. So high, yeah. And I'd like to help break that cycle. Yeah, so, that. so if I can give a plug for that, yes. if, if, if anyone listening is like, oh, I'd, I'd like to help stop inmates go back into prison and give them a fighting chance, just authenticrelating.org. You can become a member and you can pay $5 a month and they will be thrilled just to get $5 a month, something like that. Wonderful. And so David, while we're on that, summarize the services that, that you currently offer and, and tell us about the download special again. Uh, tell sure. us more about that. Yeah. If, if you'd like to follow me or have more interaction with me, you can go to playforreal.life. And I have three invitations there. You can subscribe to the Tough Conversations with David Wood podcast. Yep. And I'd love to have you listen to me as well as listening to the amazing Henry. <laughs> and uh, you can download the four-step Tough Conversations Blueprint. It's a free download at the website. And the other thing I would offer is if you are interested in coaching for your business, you want your business to be better and your life to be better. I don't just work on one. I work on the two and how they intertwine. See if you qualify for a discovery session. Click the big button that says request a session. And if you qualify, I don't charge for that session because one, they're fun. And two, it's how I find the right clients to work with long-term. Sure. Maybe we're a fit, maybe we're not, but we can find out through a discovery session. And all of those, uh, those three offers are at playforreal.life. Wonderful. And we'll have a link to that if, if you don't have an opportunity to write that down on the show notes page to this episode at thehowofbusiness.com. You, you definitely got to download at least the, the blueprint as I did. It's a great tool. Uh, we discussed it, uh, highlighted it really here in our discussion today, but, but it really is very simple to follow yet incredibly powerful. And that's what I liked about it. So, so thanks for sharing that. Uh, book recommendation. I'm always looking for a book recommendation. There's something that comes to mind that you would recommend. Yeah. Um, is this show explicit? Can I? It is not. Explain? So let's, let's use a, a, an abbreviation yeah. for the word I know you're about to use. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll call it the subtle art of not giving a fudge. There you go. And it's not fudge. It's not fudge. Um, I really enjoyed it. It's, it's um, very tongue in cheek. There's a lot of humor. There are a lot of great stories and it really had me realize that I am giving a fudge about the wrong things. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we've only got so many fudges to give. So uh, why waste them? Yeah. And the other thing I got from the book is I've bought into a fairy tale. The book doesn't say it that way, but the way I read it, I bought into a fairy tale that things should be good all the time. 
Ah. And if I can just adjust that story to, no, sometimes it should suck and, and sometimes it shouldn't, then I'm going to be less thrown when things don't feel that good. I'll be like, all right, this is part of it. If you have a body, pain comes with it. You have a relationship, pain comes with it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm a fan. I really enjoyed the book. Wonderful. Thanks for that recommendation. All right, we'll wrap it up, David. What's one thing you want us to take away from this conversation we've had about tough conversations, especially from a small business owner or entrepreneur's perspective? I invite you to speak your truth 30% more often than you currently do. You can start by getting a piece of paper and just writing down the people in your life where you feel a little bit awkward. You don't like them or you don't like something they do. You resent something. Uh, Make a list, maybe five to 10 people, and then write down what the issue is. You don't have to address it, but the beginning is to become aware of what the possibilities are and maybe pick a couple and do the worksheet. Yep. on them. And you might decide, I'm going to practice on these two easy ones. I'll just practice. I'll be vulnerable. Maybe I'll mess it up. Great. You usually get a second round. Great stuff. Tell us again where you want us to go online to find out more. Play for real, baby. Play for real dot life. Love it. Uh, this has been a great conversation, David. We can go on for another hour, but I got to respect your time. Thanks again for your patience and rescheduling this and for sharing your thoughts and your insights. I appreciate your being with me here today. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Henry. Absolutely. This is Henry Lopez. Thanks for listening to this episode of The How of Business. We release new episodes every Monday morning. You can find us everywhere online, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and at our website, thehowofbusiness.com. My guest today, again, was David Wood. And uh, you can also just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996, and I will reply with the link. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.